Welcome to the unspoken truths of digital leadership, living the leadership values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values, where our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. And today I have a very special guest with me, Chris Anderson from Pencil Leadership. Welcome, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So, Chris, let's go straight into it. How did you come up with Pencil Leadership? Yeah, so basically I I was trying to figure out a good parable. I wanted to tell a story kind of inside the business's name because uh, I have my faith and stuff. Jesus always spoke in parables and I was like, okay, that's a cool way to do it. It came across to people. Okay. So uh, I was trying to do the same thing. And I, I heard the story of a pencil maker and his pencil and, um, and just how it correlated into leadership and just being better in general as people. And then really kind of leaning into our unique potential in life. And it all was like encapsulated. And I was like, that's what, that's perfect. Like that story and how we can, pair it with our lives it just worked great so what's the story behind the pencil yeah so I, you want me to go through all five traits or the whole thing or whatever you fancy <laughs> okay so basically um there's this pencil maker and he's just created this brand new pencil and he's gonna send them off to his new owner but before he does he wants this pencil to know five things that he's gonna have to kind of live with and the first thing the pencil maker tells the pencil is that um, you were created with a purpose, but you can't fulfill that purpose without being held by someone else. You have to be guided. And so in like our lives, we can't do it alone. We have to have mentors and coaches and, and guides to help us get to that next level, get to where we're going. The second thing he told the pencil was that right now you don't have a point. You're not sharp. You're going to have to go through sharpenings so you can be more efficient. And so can, you can leave a better mark. Now these sharpenings are going to hurt. They're going to take part of you away. Um, but they're, they're beneficial and they're going to create that point that makes you more efficiently that mark. And we go through hard times. We go through things that are learning, uh, that kind of wear us down a little bit, but in turn, if we can learn them, learn from them, help us improve and leave a better mark as well. And then the third thing a pencil maker told the pencil was that now you have an eraser and that's for a purpose because you're not perfect and you're going to mess up and make a mistake but you always can work on fixing those mistakes uh, and doing better next time. And, you know, John, I'm not perfect. I make plenty of mistakes uh, every day and I'm sure your audience does as well, but we always have the ability to fix those mistakes um, and learn from them. So we don't make the same mistake twice. The fourth thing the pencil maker told the pencil was that now you're a pencil and you're a beautiful pencil. You're brand new. Now, as you go through life, you're going to get beat up and nicked and dinged along the way. You're not going to look as new. You're not going to look as shiny anymore. But remember, no matter what, 
the lead on the inside, that's what leaves the mark. And that's the most important thing. And so for us, I mean, we're going to go through things. We're going to look different than other people. We're going to have different um, traits about us. But our integrity, our character, that's what comes out and shines and leaves our mark on the world. So that's what we need to focus on. And then the last and the big, big thing the pencil maker told the pencil was that you're created uniquely and with a purpose. Now, the pen and the paintbrush, they might give you a hard time. The pen might not understand why you don't write in ink and the paintbrush can paint in these beautiful colors and you only have lead, but you can do things they can't. You can, you can shade and you can do different gradients with your lead. You can write on different surfaces and they can, uh, and you can be used for different projects. So don't let what they say affect how you see yourself because you were, you were made to leave a positive mark just the way you are. And for us, we're all different. We all come from different backgrounds and different walks of life, but we are all created uniquely with so much potential and purpose for our lives to do such great things and to leave our positive mark on the world. And we can't let anybody else kind of put us down. So that's the story. That's pencil leadership and kind of the, the parable I wanted people to hear when they learned about it. Wow. And when you came up with that name, what was the reason behind coming up with Pencil Leadership? How did it all start before you started creating Pencil Leadership? Yeah. So I used to be uh, an athletic trainer. So uh, I was doing that because I wanted to help people with their health. And when I was in the high school setting, I wanted to help people who are injured get back to doing what they love and realize that I really enjoyed and really had a passion for helping people see their potential. What was um, the reason for helping people get back to, to their best self? Yeah. I mean, it stems back to when I was in high school playing sports, getting hurt and our athletic trainer really helping me. But during that time, he also was really good at imparting wisdom hmm. and, and kind of helping build us. And so that's what started. Cause I was like, I, that's awesome. Like I want to be a part and do that for people as well. Um, but I always, I, I really always, I see people and I, I see when they're, when they're down and when they might be just kind of go, I see more potential in them than they see them themselves a lot of times. So being able to speak to that and, and show them that is, is really like, just gives me a lot of energy and a lot of fire. Was there anything that caused that during your childhood? Yeah, I mean, growing up dealt with um, just self-worth issues, not seeing myself um, for for who I am and how I was created. And uh, that stemmed into and grew into um, depression with, with suicidal thoughts um, as well. Uh, and at a time, it all kind of came together. I, I broke a vertebrae in high school and had surgery to fix that going into college. And so that time, it all kind of came crashing together. And was really a low, low point. Um, just didn't see any purpose for me uh, here on on the planet, unfortunately. And I know a lot of people deal with things like that and have been through like things like that. And so, um, thankfully, uh, just through my faith and and through uh, mentors of mine, uh, started to see the potential and, and the worth I had. And it wasn't based on any group I was a part of or or any job I had, 
there was more to life than that. And so that kind of was really what I think started kindling that fire for wanting to help other people see their worth, see their potential as more than, you know, I'm just going to get up and I, I have to go to this job so I can support my family so I can hopefully retire and live off that. Cause I, there's so much more to life. Uh, and even if you do have a nine to five job, there's still so much more potential for you than you're probably utilizing. Yeah. I always, I've, I've never stopped even after 95, when I was working on 95, mm-hmm. it was like 95. Yep. You've been the job. But then like five till 11 till 2 a.m. I'm working on projects, yeah. I'm doing coaching <laughs> on personal development. I'm doing digital stuff and yeah. all the, you know, the side hustle and everyone's like, oh yeah, well, you got a nice, you know, 95 pay nice salary. Why are you still, you know, working on side projects? I was like, I don't like sitting still. I don't like just sitting around watching TV for two or three or four hours and do nothing yep. else. And be like, yep. I can if I wanted to. Right. But I just choose to use my time elsewhere. Yeah. And that was just what just triggered me into growing and personal development and working on myself. Right. And just helping other people. I think, and I think that's, that kind of is, is something like, cause I was, I'm always the same way. It was, whether it be uh, here in Indiana doing anything in the cornfields, like the tasseling or uh, pollination (laughs) to side hassles, like uh, delivering mail or, um, now handyman type side hustles and, and dog sitting and, uh, and then volunteering. And so there's always something to do. There's always something to grow in and utilize your talents and skills. Yeah. Even after that, I was like volunteering for charities. Yep. I, in I, was like, I had so much more plate already, but I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be a board trustee for two charities. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> not sure yeah. if that was wise, but it was just like. I couldn't sit still like something. So I had to get involved in more things for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, not a good thing. Right. Sometimes it can be a negative thing, but sometimes if you can, if you can balance it right. And I think if they have some somewhat of cohesiveness to it, I think it's, yeah, if you can handle it and you're still taking care of yourself, cause that's a big part of it. Yeah. It was more aligning with my personal values in mm-hmm. terms of leadership, how I saw myself. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's there's no point talking about leadership or helping people with leadership if I'm not leading elsewhere. Right. And if I'm not leading as a manager in the 95 position, then where else could I lead? So that was my reasoning for like. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Aligning it with your values is huge. Yep. And I, yeah, I, I'm the youngest trustee in both charities. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And because not normally board trustees is normally people who's like retired, who's got more time on their hands and, you know, people who want to give back. Right. But I was yeah. like, no, I, I feel like, you know, I feel I'm good, good for it. <laughs> Definitely. That's how I felt too. In the same kind of position. I was like, well, I'm, I'm grateful that I have even thought of for these board positions and uh, I'm doing my best to bring what I can. So when you was in childhood and you went through those kind of thoughts, what pulled you mm-hmm. out of that, those thoughts? Yeah, the big ones, like, so what pulled me out from not going through with them, first off, was actually the fact uh, that if I didn't do it right, if it didn't work, and I was somehow just paralyzed or a vegetable or whatever, um, that I would be more of a, 
a hassle, more of a, a stress on my family, those who had to take care of me. And so that's actually where my mind went. Thank, thank the Lord, because I never, I never acted on anything because I didn't want that chance of being more of a burden on people. And so I, I never went through with that. Yeah. And then that's interesting yeah. because I went through the same thing in my childhood mm-hmm. and even to my adulthood um, when I got to that burnout stage. But during childhood, like there was points where I also felt like I had no purpose. Mm. Uh, what was my point of being here? Yeah. Um, what am I here to do? Does it matter if I'm actually here? Right. Like I, I was like an invisible kid. Mm. But also because I was bullied in school, it triggered a yeah. lot of worth, confidence issues and everything that piled up. And it was just like also like the whole comparison thing with oh, the yeah. culture in my family culture, in the Asian Chinese culture. Yeah. There's a lot of comparison in parents and other people's kids. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of that criticism and, you know, affected me and it just tricks snowballed absolutely yeah definitely i mean yeah those and that's that's the hard thing about it because one thing can trigger and snowball so much more from it yeah and then obviously not going ahead with it was like what if i failed not, yeah. not take not going forward with it and then who would i burden now is like yep. nah let's just 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 crack on <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely and uh, that's kind of yeah. That's exactly what what happened with me. But then and, and then it was people that stepped and came into my life at the right time and just um, mentored me. And they didn't know at first like what I was dealing with. And that's that's a crazy thing. You never know who's dealing with what. And I think that's why it goes by like no matter what level you are on, no matter where you're at, like you have influence and you have the chance of really positively impacting someone's life. What kind of mentors came into your life? Yeah. So I had. Um, my, my dad and my brother were two big ones. Um, and, and my coach from high school was a big one. Uh, and then in college professors that I had within the athletic training program, um, were really big as well. And, um, into the church setting, just some people in there as well. So I had a, I had a good handful that came in at the right time. It had been around and, uh, I just, um, really helped. Yeah. And then I sought counseling. That's a big one. Uh, I knew I, I was like, okay, I'm at the point where, like I, I, I need to go talk to somebody because it's okay to do that. And it was a big fight to, in my own, in my own mind, in my own body was like, no, you don't need help. Oh, don't do it. And I, I, a lot of times, and I don't know if it's a good thing. It's if I think of doing something and I'm like, no, that'd be too hard. That's, it's going to be hard. It like something clicks and it's just like, well, that's what I got to do. <laughs> so, so that's what I did with the counseling. It was the same kind of thing. Yeah, I never went forward. Um, my next biggest thing was um, when I got burnt out from corporate, mm-hmm. which felt like I was laying in my deathbed for like three or four <sighs> weeks, went into that severe depression or self-diagnosed depression. Yeah. And I was like, you know, what's the point of earning so much money but having no health or energy and time to spend it? And then yep. I didn't, I didn't, <clears throat> I thought about therapy, but I thought more about the, the suicide route again. Yeah, the dark thoughts. And I was like, should I get help? And then I don't think I went through with it. But I, yeah, I spoke to a friend who just said, John, if you quit work or quit the corporate world tomorrow, what would you love to do? Yeah, and it was just that simple question. And I was just like, 
I'd love to help people. I'd love to help people breaking out their limitations, um, whether it's limiting beliefs or, you know, it was very service personal development stuff because I was still new yeah. to the area. Obviously, knowing what I know now in self-awareness and super consciousness is much more deeper. But had I not oh, yeah. taken that step, I wouldn't have gone ahead with what I've went on to learn. Right. And also yeah. learning about my emotions. And yeah, absolutely. It, and I think um, even like, yeah, those those negative things we've went through and that other people have went through and in whatever people have went through, I think we can grasp, if we can grow through those, I think we can really look back and see what we could learn from those moments and how we can improve and then help other people uh, improve as well. Um, and so I think that's a big key to, to remember. Are you the only child or do you have uh, sister siblings as well? I have um, two sisters and a brother. Yep. And how supportive they were with you when you was going through your emotions? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, not till recently. I don't think anyone knew. Oh, wow. Yeah. I uh, was very good, and it's not a good thing, but I was very good at bottling everything inside and keeping it inside. Um, and so no one no one knew. And that's, that's the, a big thing you hear a lot is no one knew that people were dealing with that kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, they, I, I know they would have been very supportive because I know – my siblings and my family, but yeah, no one knew. Was it because you didn't want to burden them? Yeah, that was the big thing. Uh, my, my thought process back then was everybody's got their own problems. They don't need mine. They don't need to listen to my problems. Uh, and that was a big, a big, uh, lie that I almost was telling myself. Um, and so, yeah, so I didn't tell anybody and I think it made it worse, made it harder. During your athletic, how, did you? How come you? Are you still pursuing it? Or are you just? Uh no, yeah, I I kind of gave it up. It just, I still um, so I, I incorporate like health into my coaching, mm -hmm. um, for like a holistic approach because I think health is wealth, and if we're not taking care of ourselves, everything else struggles. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I guess, still utilize it some, but. What was your reason for not going ahead with it? With the athletic training portion, yeah, I just it, I wasn't aligned. I, there's something, just something different that I was supposed to to do, and I found it with helping people kind of uh, almost like what you say, like get out of the burnout, like what they're doing, and figure out where their potential and passions really lied, and help them start building uh, something around that. How did you come to that realization? Yeah, so it was during my athletic training career. Um, the conversation I was having with uh, student athletes when I first started in the high school setting. And then when I moved into the industrial athletic training setting, so working with uh, factory workers, the conversations of what do you like, what do you want to do later on? Or like, what do you really enjoy doing? Like, did you always want to be a factory worker? What do you want to go to college for? Like, is that what you really have always wanted to do? And just start breaking that down and then figuring out where they actually had their talents and their, their joys lied. And then like conversating about like, okay, so why, why don't you like start doing that on the side? So that could become your full-time thing. And they're like, well, I never thought about it. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know that's why I'm here. No. Uh, and so and that, man, it just got me fired up. Like, that's what I really love doing. 
And then all the other portions of it just kind of got to the point where I'm like, I don't enjoy, this is taking away from what I do enjoy. Uh, and so I, I was like, life's too short. I've seen life be cut short many times and like, I want to be doing something that I love doing. How do you find that? What do you love doing? It was, yeah, I mean, I tried a lot of things. So even when I was doing athletic training, like I said, a lot of things on the side, volunteered with things, um, talked to people about what they did that I had interest in. And then those, just those having a conversation and, and realizing kind of taking a step back and kind of looking at the situation, like you're talking to people a lot about their passions and how they can make something from it. And like, every time you do, you just get super excited and you just go and like, and you have, okay, is it do you, like, is that something you could, you could do full time is that could be your business. And so thinking about it and planning it, I was like, yeah, I think that's definitely needed. And I think there's a, there's a market for it. A lot of people are doing it. Um, and I think I just, I will resonate with certain people and people, other people doing it resonate with their audience. And I was like, yeah, like, that's what brings me joy. That's what would be success to me is doing that every day. How did you define your success? No, that's a good question. I think success, some people think of it and they're like, so you, you're making a million dollars a month now? No, no, that's not, I mean, that'd be nice. No, I'm not there. But to me, success is making a choice to do and live the way that you love to live. That something that brings you joy. So an example for me is, and I think it came out of Thinking Grow Rich, the book by Napoleon Hill was, they talk about a guy selling hot dogs on the corner of a street. And he loves selling hot dogs. He loves communicating and, and serving people in that way. No, he's not making millions and he probably won't. But he gets out of bed super excited and super ready to get out there and be able to make an impact in people's lives that way. So he is successful. That is what I think success is. Choosing your path because you love it, not because someone's telling you to do it and not because of whatever reason, but just truly you you enjoy doing it. How did you fall into athletic training? Was that your choice or was that? Yeah, that was my choice. Over? Yeah. Uh, and again, yeah, I kind of just went to my my history of being in sports since I can remember and 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 going through my own injuries and seeing the impact that my athletic trainer had on me. And I was like, okay, this is kind of, I like, I like helping people and I like sports. So let's just go down this. But what I didn't do that then was really study and really think about what life would look like. Hmm. Uh, athletic trainers, they, they are a breed of their own. They, they are um, very selfless people for the most part, because a lot of the times they are at the school before practices start um, and sometimes during school, some of them, a lot of them teach and then they're there after practice is over and after games are over. So, uh, it's, a, it's almost like a coach. Um, if you're an athletic coach, same kind of thing and a lot of time commitment. And it's just, I didn't want to spend my time at the fields all the time. Like it just, for me, it just didn't fit. It did, and even in the industrial, I just kind of got to a point where it was like, I, I kind of saw what I was going to be successful at and what I would love doing. I was like, okay, I just got to do that. <laughs> How did you come across leadership then in your life? 
Oh, uh, it, it would definitely be through the, the role models I had growing up, my dad, my brother, my coach, just setting those examples. Um, obviously through the Bible, Jesus set in a, a big example for me, just how he lived and how he treated other people. And I've always wanted to make a difference, wanted to make things better. Um, that's just always been part of my personality to improve. Uh, my wife probably would say, I, I don't ever stop because there's always something in the house. I'm like, well, wait, wait, we could, we could do stuff, that in that room to make it more efficient or, and, uh, so I've always had that drive and I've always really loved learning how to be better in general as a person, uh, as a friend, as a, as, as a business person now as a business owner. And, um, yeah, it's just always been something that I've been learning and, and having influenced into my life. What's your favorite leadership style? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> ah, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that. Great. Favorite leadership style. I, I definitely, I like the style where we're a team. I think it goes back to sports. Um, I think that, yeah, yes, maybe I have the, the title, the position, quote unquote, over other people, but there's no way I could do it by myself. And we're, we're in this together. We're a family, a team. I, it, it goes back to sports. Um, we're our weakest link. And so if I'm not helping grow and improve our quote unquote weakest link or, or person who might not be in authority, like if I'm not helping the team get better, then we're all go down. Sure. I have to, I have to, to make some decisions and be the authority or whatnot, but uh, I, that's how I see it. I think we work together um, as a team, as a unit, and because people bring strengths um, that I'm not as strong in. And so that's why I think it's super important to have that kind of style. Yeah, it's very similar to me in like the whole servant leadership. Yep. It's all about supporting others and making sure other people are empowered, inspired, and yeah have their own decision and choices to make and be like, you go off and do your own thing. Yeah. You go off and, and do it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, we carry on like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Servant leadership. Yeah. That'd be a good, the summarization of it. I think. When you're, how did you get inspiration into do what you do now? <sighs> Another good question. Inspiration of what I do now, it just have to be, just obviously personal experiences, but like seeing so many people not like not living to their potential, like just going through life just because they have to do that instead of getting the most out of it. Uh, and I think that that was a big one when I was in the industrial just, and like even my dad, he's worked at, uh, manufacturing plant he's been at he's a manager position but he's been there 35 years and uh the people i i were was helping in the industrial setting like most of them were i mean they were they were seasoned we can call them but it's like they were just there because that's where they quote unquote got stuck when they had so many goals and aspirations and dreams in life and they never they haven't done any of them not that it's too late to try or start but it just, it was sad and I didn't, I didn't want that to be what I 
was thinking when I got older and I didn't want anyone else. I wanted to help as many I could see the possibility that they had to go after what they truly love doing uh, and not just kind of go through life on repeat. It's very similar to me when I did the whole um, corporate thing was like, Mm -hmm. and you hear from the corporate guys, they're like, I've been here for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I'm just like, am I going to be doing this for the next 10, 15, 20 years? And I just fast forward. And that's that's perfect. Yeah. Like, is that person who is where I might be most likely if I stayed here, is that where I want to be? Is that what I want to be doing? And even if they love it and that's where they fit and they're getting success and their success out of that and they, and they love doing it, it might not be for you. And so to be able to kind of see that and weigh that and then make that choice is huge. Yeah. It was just like, I'm going to be here for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And it's like, mm, no. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of, it confirmed itself when I got the burnout because yeah. that was when it was like clear to me, am I going to live like this for the next five to 10 years? Right. And yep. I was like, no, this is not, this is not where I want to be. Yeah. And I only went there was because I was so busy trying to be approved and validated by my parents. Okay. Because yeah, there's the term success for, you know, the Chinese Asian her- uh, culture is if you're not a doctor, lawyer, and accountant, right? You're not deemed as successful. Or the next mm. best one is corporate, right? Mm. "Quote unquote corporate." So yeah. like, once I got there, I was like, I only went there and climbed that ladder because I wanted them to feel proud, yep, and approve of me and feel validated and all those. And obviously, back then, I didn't know any of that, right? Until I did more self awareness training, and I was going through the process and going back in you know deeper and be like where did this story come through where did the emotions come through and it's like yeah ah, it's from the parents ah it's from the childhood ah it's from seeking validation and approval and all yeah. this stuff i was like oh, yeah it's sense. crazy how all that ties in uh and it's I've, i wondered have you ever done the enneagram yeah that's what are, what number are you i'm a eight. okay yeah, cool so eight. I, I'm, cool I'm eight, a one. Nine wing. Okay, uh, I'm not as as prevalent in that, but I know I'm a one, um, and so <laughs> that's I, I I can't remember my wings or anything, but I was curious to see what yours was. But it's funny I was reading a a book about it and uh, it basically saying like I always want to improve, <laughs> and my struggle is getting the validation from people that you are good, but even when they do try to show you and tell you that you're good you don't believe it. And so it's like, Oh, where has this been forever? Like that makes so much sense. <laughs> Are you a perfectionist? Um, you know, it's a weird thing. I, I would say I'm not, but in some things I, I am <laughs> like, it's a weird, like that's hard to explain because like, I'm good at just getting things done and getting things out there. To, to get it going, but I always want to improve it. Yeah. But I like, yeah, but like I, in my, in my mind, I'm like, I know this won't be perfect because I know it'll always have something to improve down the road. Like it's a weird, like I want to make it better, but then I know it's going to have to be better later. <laughs> Do you delay in, in launching the thing because you want to improve in it first? Um, 
But did you get over that already? <laughs> yeah, I would say I got. I would say I got over that. If some of the things I sent out or I sent out needed some grammar editing and stuff, but no, I think I. It yeah, I think most times it's just like, hey, let's just get, do the best we can, get it out there, and then then let's start improving it. Yeah. Because what I found was I've also had the trait of being trying to be too perfect. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to have everything ready before I launch it. And like yeah. my mentor was like, imperfect action is the best form of action. And once I took that on board, it was literally just like, yeah, bang out content, create it, launch it, get it out there, copy not fully ready, out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For so like, sure. People would want to work for me, not because of my copy, but because of what I'm offering them in solution. Mm. And it was like, it was that. So I was like, Good. get it out there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah. Imperfect action is better than inaction. I like that. <laughs> that was a huge lesson for me because I always waited for everything to be ready. A lot of people do. Yeah. How did you overcome your um, you know, perfectionism in a way? Yeah, I would say, I mean, just realizing that, like, I could sit here and work on this forever, but I'm nothing's going to change if it doesn't get out there. Like I could plan this all day long, but if I don't do it, if I don't put the video out there, if I don't reach out to that person, if I don't start the podcast, start the business, like nothing's going to change. How did you start the podcast? That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, that was actually where everything kind of started. I was like, I'm just going to start with a podcast start putting out information uh, and then figure out the business from there. And then uh, it all kind of just happened. All started to happen. And I was like, well, no, let's just start a business now with this and boom, let's just pair it together. But um, yeah, I just wanted to bring topics. I wanted to have guests on uh, like you, John O and uh, share, share just a p a personal and professional development for people to listen to and improve their lives um, and just add value that way. Who's your favorite mentor or personal development? Hmm. I really like John Maxwell mm -hmm. uh, a lot. Lewis House is another big one um, in the podcast world, at least for sure, that uh, motivated and inspired me to get started was Lewis. Um, I would say those are the two big ones. I like Ed Milet. I've been getting into Ed Milet a lot more, his stuff. Mm. I, I, and I really like, I really like Ed too. Any of us? Uh, as far as like uh, mentors in like business, I'd say Napoleon Hill's a big one. Even uh, like in general, like mm. maybe in athletics or in, okay. in sports. I mean, that's your area, wasn't it? So it was. Wouldn't, uh, wouldn't surprise me if you had you know, sports coaches and, and and those guys in there. Um, John Wooden's a big one. I liked how he inspired and how he led um, as far as sport areas. I'm trying to think of an athlete. Oh, uh, I really like The Rock, oh, <laughs> Dwayne yeah. Johnson. I I don't know. I mean, do I agree with everything he he's has said? No, probably not, but no one probably agrees with everything I see. But just how he approaches people, approaches kind of life, uh, I don't know. I, I just, he just, I just resonate with him a little bit. Now I'm a, I'm a little bit smaller than him, <laughs> but I just, yeah. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. So no, the rock. I like, yeah, 
he's I don't know. He motivates me a lot and inspires me a lot. So I think same same here. Dwayne Johnson has been someone that I admire yeah. a lot. Um, and you know when even before he became famous Hollywood mm-hmm. actor and all those, you know, it was I think it was uh, WWE, right? Yeah, uh-huh. wrestling days, right? Yeah. Even back then, like he was the the guy I thought was like he's cool. Yeah. He's humble. He's willing to show up. He you know he he just takes it on and just carries on. Yeah. And like and then when he stepped into Hollywood, that journey when he went to do like Scorpion, I think wasn't it? Oh, Scorpion King. Yeah, that's one Scorpion King. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, he's now going to acting. And then yep. obviously I followed him. Every 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 movie he did afterwards, I just I just watched. Yeah. I like yeah, he he does some really good stuff. And I think that's a good point to say. I think um when success comes and when we get elevated because of success um and and raise to those heights, it's your character almost gets magnified. And I, I, I do the analogy of like Captain America, if you've seen it. Um, he's chosen because he's a good man and the, the serum serum he gets amplifies that. If you're bad, you become worse. If you're good, you become better. Uh, and so I think it's kind of the same thing when we get success, when we get thrown into that level, that spotlight, um, if you don't already have that solid foundation of character and integrity, um, whichever way it goes, it shows. What does integrity mean to you? Yeah, I think integrity is doing the right thing, uh, even when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. I was that simple. <laughs> was there an incident that got you there as well? Um, I think it's just just how brought up and and raised, um, and and lessons I've learned just from from teachings, but, um, I think it's yeah, I I've seen it play out. We're doing the right thing was hard, um, but turned out to be to be good. To, uh, it turned out the the good way. Um, uh, and I've seen I've seen some some hard times with it as well. And, and it's like, but you at least you have the conscience to know you're, you're doing the right thing. Hmm. And going through, you know, your advice to those who's looking to start their own business or looking to learn more about leadership or mm-hmm. take responsibility and all those, what kind of advice could you give them? It starts with you for sure. Um, and don't compare yourself to someone else because we're all on different, different levels of our journey and, and really just work on, on building your value system. Kind of like what you mentioned, Jono is what, what do you stand for? Um, and really start building on that. And hopefully, hopefully what you're building on is good and it's going to affect the world in a positive way. And uh, if you're listening to this and it's a negative way, you, know, you better stop right now because <laughs> 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 the good will come after you. No. Um, yeah, I think knowing what you stand for and really solidifying that because it'll be tested and it'll it'll be uh, you'll have to really stand behind that. What do you stand for, Chris? I stand for leaving a positive mark, living up to our potential, and, and not leaving anything else on the table. Hmm. How did you come to that conclusion? 
I I just go back. I think we were created for fantastic stuff. And I think there's so many people and there's so much out there that the world's missing because people have been just condensed and programmed to believe that they just need to go do what they're told to do, go to school, get a job. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but they've been so boxed in that those talents and abilities that they have and the potential that they could live up to is, has been shut off. And, um, we're missing what, if on, what if they're on the edge? Like they know they want to do something, but they're fearful something could go wrong. Mm. Well, welcome to life. <laughs> <laughs> Things will go wrong. <laughs> Things will go wrong. Even if you're meant to do it and you know, hundred percent things will still go wrong. So, uh, just do it. Just start. Um, again, Im- imperfect action is better than no action. And so it's so true. Just take an action. Do something that moves you closer to to that end goal, that end result, that that potential that you truly have. Um, and don't don't let that fear hold you back. Use it as fuel, as guidance forward. Like okay, the and and it goes back to this. I love this quote: um, "The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek." I love that quote. And it's so true. Like most of the times that I've been scared or feel fearful to do something, um, but I've done it anyways, has turned out, has turned out good in some way or another. I've learned something beneficial from it. Yeah. You always get something good out of them. What what did they say? What you want is always on the other side of fear. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always learned that every time I'm fearful something, I'm just like, Yep, I need to do this. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it goes back to my mindset of like when I always thought like, oh, that'd be too hard. Well, that's what I need to do. And it was like Mike Tyson the other day when he after his fight, he's like, I'm just comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's so true, like to, to improve our health, like to work out, you have to get uncomfortable to get stronger. Okay, no one wants to do leg day. Leg day is <laughs> terrible, but you're getting so much better by doing that. And it's just like anything else, business relationships, like no one wants to tell their significant other, Hey, you know, I messed up or I was wrong. That's uncomfortable, (laughs) but it helps everything grow. And so we have to get comfortable. We have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Another thing that I didn't get to ask you was how are you with conflicts? Yeah, so it depends. <laughs> uh, it really it, it depends. Um, I don't mind them. Um, I I find it as a challenge to kind of see how we can de-escalate it um, and, and find a solution. But I also have to sometimes kind of take a step so I don't depending on what it is like so I don't escalate them more than they need to be. Um, and that's, that one's a lot more like if it's, uh, for some reason, it, if it's like someone mistreating someone else, like instead of just like physically confronting, like stepping in still, but you know, so, so figuring that out, but I would say for the most part, I don't mind conflict. Um, I, I try to, to find the best way to remedy the issue in a, in a peaceful manner that, that helps everyone kind of feel like they're part of the solution. Hmm. And there's something that because of 
you said you was a one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just wondering if you had a nine wing, which is avoiding conflict. Hmm. Um, but most I was of the time I don't one... think so. I would say most of the time I don't think I, I necessarily try to avoid it too much. But is it because your behaviors and your value system prevents from going into conflict? Mm. Because you build the relationships in a nice, good, or you know, pleasant pleasant way. I guess that I yeah. the relationship instead of Yeah, I guess I could conflict. see that. hmm I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Uh could could and I just want things like I just I want to make things as good for everybody as, as possible. I know it's not perfect, but um, if I can... as nice as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's very similar to how I because I've got a very strong nine wing. It's mm. I generally don't have conflicts because I nurture the relationships in a way that it doesn't ever lead to conflict. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that that'd be probably right. Yeah, that sounds more your way of from what i've kind of yeah. noticed right now and yep. the conversation we're going through it sounds like you've got a very strong nine wing as well or at least yeah. side wing of nine yeah i would say the know. biggest conflicts i've ever had is when i've had to ste- step in for uh someone being mistreated i would say and that's not to make me sound ooh, great but no, like, that's you stepping up and standing yeah. up for someone yeah i think that, see that right yeah that's been the few times that it's actually been a uh, a quick like confrontation type thing that you would think of is that for like justice <laughs> uh, i i guess so the one that sticks out to me is in college we were um we were play- we were doing sand volleyball i think is what we were doing and and i was gonna go study um i just wasn't feeling the game and stuff and so i was leaving and another guy was giving a hard time about it and and one of the ladies who were playing, she stepped up and said, Hey, just let him go. And and he turned to her and he said, I wasn't talking to you. Like, shut the and I'll I turned around because I was already like 10 steps away and I came back on that court. And so my I, I instantly get like a, a Hulk rage type thing. And then I kind of I calmed down. But it like it was like that, it was over. And I and like he shut up and I walked back to the room. And later, later, he came to me and he's like, dude, hey. Uh, thanks for kind of putting me in my place because I was wrong. I was like, yeah, it's no worries, man. Water on the bridge, we're good. You, we all understand. So, so that was, yeah. It's been a few, a handful of those times. So, but yeah, awesome. And for those that want to connect with you, Chris, where can they find you? Yeah, my biggest uh, would probably be Instagram uh, at Chris T Anderson. Um, you can also check out uh, pencilleadership.com uh, and it'll have things everywhere. So I'll make sure I put those links in, the, in cool. the comments as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris, for your time and no your problem. wisdom. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast and if you have found it useful please feel free to send it and share it to your network as i will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world if you would like more information or the show notes and resources that i will be providing you then please go to www.johnopoon.com go to the blog 
and find the podcast section. Step up, show up and stay up. Take care.